0: Welcome to the Kenosha City Church podcast. The book of Hebrews says that the word of God is living and effective. That is exactly what God wants his church to be, living and effective. In this message, Pastor Andy will teach us how to respond to the cultural pressures around us while being proactive in influencing others to Christ. Enjoy the message. We're going to do a little vision casting today, and vision, it's a word that's kind of thrown out like candy, uh, but what I want us to really discover is, what is God's vision uh, for us? What is God's vision for your life, for your family, or, for, or if you're single, for uh, for yourself, or, or for your school, or for your home? Or well, What is your vision? What is God's vision, actually? And it's an important question to ask, because society... Even Christians and even churches, every January, they go into an existential crisis. Who am I? I got to go to the gym, right? Uh, Who am I? I got to change my diet. Listen, all those things are good, right? But we live in a society where it seems like when the ball drops in Times Square, somehow, oh, we got to change everything about ourselves. And the reality is, what does God want? What does God want? uh here's the deal do we exist for ourselves or do we exist for something greater than ourselves are we a person on mission and if we're a person or a church on mission uh, we're going to be driven by his word Uh, we're going to be filled by his holy spirit we're going to realize that we are not the sum total of the days that we live on this earth but rather we are greater than our life we are going to live somewhere in eternity and are we living for that eternity Are we on mission? Do you know what the mission for your life is? Do you? You see, the mission isn't something for us to concoct or to come up with. Uh, To say what our mission is isn't about some kind of fad or to, to declare how unique we are. Rather, the mission for our lives was given by Jesus Christ himself. We see this and if you've been in the church world this may be a familiar verse. I mean this may be the first time you heard this passage if this is your first time in church. Let me go ahead and read it. Matthew chapter 28:18. These are the final words of Jesus giving us the mission for our life. Matthew 28:18. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you and remember I am with you always to the end of the age. Mission. It's God's idea. And those who get off mission are typically ones that uh, maybe uh, get bored of the mission. If you've been in the church room, I'm like, I've heard that passage so many times. It's really important. We need to hear it Often. It's the last words of Jesus. Uh, He he wanted us, the last and lasting words for us to be lasting in our hearts. But yet, our human tendency is to get bored with what you're familiar with. Or maybe you heard this passage and you're like, I don't agree with that. I, I wanna do something different or I believe life is about something else. And when you are either bored or you disagree with the mission, you will ever so slightly or maybe completely be off the vision That Jesus has for you. And in a weary world, a world that's looking for answers, a world that is distracted, a world that is drowning in self-help or even self-righteousness, pick your poison, uh, the world is not looking for our version of vision or our version of mission. The world desperately needs the one hope that is found in Jesus Christ. There will never be an answer other than the gospel of Jesus Christ, full of grace and mercy. Now, as Brandon mentioned, one year ago, uh, this church uh, was made new as this church became Kenosha City Church. Uh, And through the years of wrestling of the leadership of this church, they realized, we want to go all in in reaching this community. We want to be all in on what God has for this place here at Pershing and 60th. And so we want to go into this community with the gospel of Jesus Christ no matter the cost, no matter how hard it might be, no matter where it will take us. And so we became Kenosha City Church where we have a vision to reach your neighborhood, to reach your workplaces, to reach your families with the life-giving message of Jesus Christ. And the name Kenosha City Church, it puts the vision in the forefront. Kenosha, it's, it's where this place is located. Uh, what we realize is this church is almost literally located in the center of the Kenosha city limits. The center, Pershing and 60th. That's where it's located, Kenosha. City, that might seem a little bit redundant, or is that talking about Kenosha? No, city is a word that we we chose to mean uh, your area of influence. You may come from the Kenosha city limits, but listen, sometimes we're like, we're only gonna be a mission for Kenosha. Well, who set those city limits? Especially Kenosha city limits. If you drive from the the interstate to the lake, you go through Pleasant Prairie like 35 times, right? The reality is there is a region, a sphere of influence that this church is gonna cover. And so you may be from Pleasant Prairie this morning. You may be from Kenosha. Uh, You may be from Racine. You may be from Lake County, Illinois. You may be from out in the county. The reality is Kenosha City Church realizes that in your city where you live, uh, where you work, uh, who you hang out with, where you dine, wherever you're at, God wants to use you to be an influence with the gospel. So Kenosha City, in our function, is a church. What is a church? A church is a place where the people of God gather each and every week to hear from the word of God, to live high the praise of Jesus Christ, and to encourage each other and to be equipped to go out every day of the week. Kenosha City Church. And our mission is to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Fully devoted Which means this, as we go through the habit series and as we begin to talk about vision in each and every week of that that series as well, uh, we wanna make sure that you're not just somewhat devoted or that you're somewhat backslidden from the year before. We wanna send you lean into the things of Jesus where you are full on, I am following you, Jesus, in every area of my life. Fully devoted followers of Jesus. Our vision is this, is that every single person, that means you, at Kenosha City Church, will personally connect others to the power of Jesus Christ. Because when people are connected to the power of the gospel, people's lives are made new. Amen? God is on the move. And as Brandon mentioned in the announcement time, uh, it is amazing week in and week out, we see people give their life to Jesus Christ. We've seen the testimonies. We've seen the baptisms. we, We see people's lives changing. We see people growing in their faith. We see strongholds broken. We've seen miraculous prayers answered. Kenosha City Church, we don't wanna be a place where we just gather together. Oh, I've railed against the whole club idea, the country club idea of, of being a church or a holy huddle where we're just gonna you know, hold on until Jesus comes back. No, Jesus has empowered you with his last and lasting mission to go and make disciples in a world that is weary and that is dying and needs an answer. We want to be a church where people when they come in through these doors and maybe the last shot they're giving church that they hear the life-giving message of Jesus Christ that they are they are able to even during the praise and worship time they realize that God is real. We want them to be able to come into this door and say I'm going to give church one last shot. We want to be a church where we play the part in seeing the gospel reach the city. We realize we're just one church. We realize there's many other churches in this community. And that's fine. Uh, but the thing is this. We must be committed in seeing the needle go forward in reaching people with the gospel. We want to be a church where we see prayers answered each and every week. And we don't want to just bring God just small prayers like, I stub my toe, Jesus. You can bring that up to God. He's fine with that. But he, what he wants you to bring is the impossible. Man, I want to see 2023 be a year where the impossible prayers are answered, amen? Amen. We want to be a church where we see the word of God being held to with a conviction that's unwavering, where we stand upon the word of God, where we stand upon the word of God so much so it might make us unpopular. That we stand upon the word of God knowing that the vision that God has for us is greater than any acceptance that we can find in culture. We want to be a church where the power of the Holy Spirit is on display through broken people. We want to be a church where people can stop playing perfect or where people can come in and knowing that they are broken and that we can freely receive the grace of Jesus Christ. And because when you receive the grace of Jesus Christ, you know you can be graceful with others. But if we're going to be a church that stands for these things, no, you better believe the enemy, what the Bible calls the devil, will stand against these things. The enemy will malign the church, and he's gonna to try to malign the Bible-believing church, not just here in Kenosha, but all throughout this nation to the sidelines. The enemy will pit followers of Christ against followers of Christ. The enemy will make minor things into major things. The enemy will rise up, hold denominations and churches uh, uh, based on such minor things. Uh, the gospel, as a result, will be buried amongst many churches that even claim to be biblical. May that never be here at Kenosha City Church. May it never be. Because these things grieve the Lord and the enemy will stop at nothing to make sure the ministry and mission does not goes forward. One of the things the enemy wants us to do is he wants us to think that the church is for me, for you, just for us. For many, they treat churches as a customer would treat Amazon or Walmart or Facebook Marketplace. If we treat church as consumers and only as consumers, and listen, we do consume, but if we are only consumers, then the mission will come to a grinding halt. Because instead of being about the Lord and about Jesus Christ, it'll be about you or me or just us. But where's Jesus in that? You know, one of the great preachers, Charles Spurgeon, in the 1800s, he dealt with this problem, too. We think of this as a modern issue. We're like, oh, man, what's going on in the church world? This has been happening since the early church. And Charles Spurgeon, he saw the threat to the mission, and he said this, to be saved is to be sent. To be saved is to be sent. In fact, that's going to be our main idea. I'm going to rip off Charles Spurgeon today. Saved ones are sent ones. If you have been saved by Jesus Christ, know that you haven't been saved, just have been saved. He's saving you and he's sending you to those who are lost. Saved ones are sent ones. God saves you to send you into your workplace, into your college campus, into your high school uh, cafeterias, uh, in your neighborhoods, and yes, even those stubborn family members. Church is not about sitting and consuming, but contributing to see people know Jesus Christ until Christ comes back. Saved ones are sent ones, but the headwinds of culture are against you. The enemy hates the mission. Huh, let's just let's just get real explicit. The enemy hates you. He hates me. Uh, the, the, the enemy hates your family. He hates this church. He hates the Word of God, and you'll try everything to discourage you to lie to you to dismantle your faith to deconstruct your faith to make you cultural instead of biblical but we have a promise we can say oh culture did you hear what's happening oh i just i kept the the news on for about 48 hours in a row and the whole world's falling apart we better go hide in the basement and pray jesus comes back tomorrow listen i would be really happy if jesus came back tomorrow But let me tell you this, he better not find you hunkering in the basement. You see, the thing is this, we have a promise. Jesus said this to Peter. He said, the gates of hell, the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. If you stand firm and you don't get distracted and you keep your eyes Fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, there is a promise in scripture that gates of hell will not prevail against you. And collectively, Kenosha City Church, if we stand firm on the word of God, filled by the Holy Spirit, fix our eyes fully on Jesus Christ, stay on mission, the gates of hell will not prevail, amen? Saved ones are sent ones. The enemy's trying to stop a church. This isn't new. In fact, in the New Testament, we have a book. It's called the Book of Hebrews that was written to encourage the, st- the church to stay on mission uh, in the face of great persecution. I'm going to invite you to turn there right now in your Bible or your YouVersion Bible app or our Kenosha City Church app. And the words will be on the screen if you're uh, a visitor today or if you're a guest. Uh, but again, if you are regular here at Kenosha City Church, uh, get into your word, uh, underline your word, um, or highlight it on your phone or wherever you're reading it. Hebrews. And we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 3. As you're turning there, let me give you a little background on the book of Hebrews. I'd love to do a whole treatment, a whole series on the whole book of Hebrews in the future. So hold me to it, and we'll get to it eventually. Um, Hebrews uh, is more a sermon than it is a letter. Most of our New Testament books are actually letters. Hebrews was written as a sermon to the early church, and the author of Hebrews was warning against strange teachings that were flooding the church. In so much, many people were beginning to buy into these teachings. And so the author warns uh, the church to remain faithful and hold fast to their faith. Uh, The church was facing wild persecution, but was in danger of falling off mission. In fact, we see through some of the warnings here, it can be deduced here that uh, many people were, were no longer being fully obedient. They weren't being fully devoted. Uh, in fact, there's one uh, verse in Hebrews where it alludes to that they were not even attending church together. They had fallen out of habit of attending church together. And so this call of the book of Hebrews is to keep the eyes on Jesus. your eyes on Jesus, be on mission with Jesus, and not succumb to uh, the fear of persecution or joining the acceptance of culture kind of sounds like today, doesn't it? Right? And so if we're going to be a church on mission, uh we you need to be sent and keep your eyes on mission. If we're going to be on mission though, number 1 what we're going to see in the text is you need to remember your heavenly calling. If you're taking notes, write that down. Number 1, you need to remember your heavenly calling. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1. Remember your heavenly calling. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in a heavenly calling, Consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. Now the preceding chapters, chapter 1 and chapter 2 of Hebrews lay out clearly that when you place your faith and trust in Christ, you are placed in the family of God. Uh, And and this is what I absolutely love about this. When, When you're in a family, okay, let's think of Thanksgiving or Christmas, you bring the whole extended family or maybe you go to a family reunion there's, oftentimes I've heard this, you've shared this with me, it's like, man, family members will just start fighting each other and people are just ashamed that this person's part of their family. Like, and yeah, families can get messy, But you know what's beautiful here is that when you place your faith and trust in Jesus, you're placed in the family of God. God knows everything about you. He knows all the great things, and he knows the things that are absolutely what we're ashamed of or even embarrassed of this morning. And yet, this is what I absolutely love what we see in verse 1. We see this, that therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in a heavenly Calling, consider Jesus the apostle, the high priest of our confession. You see, Jesus is not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters. He's not. A, he's not. He's not ashamed to call us family. Where we may feel ashamed about family members in our earthly family because of whatever's going on. Jesus knows what all is going on in our life, and yet He considers you family. So when He is reaching out to you this morning, so we're called family, but. What comes with family, we see here in verse 1, is a heavenly calling. We share in a heavenly calling. Every single one of you this morning, if you're in Jesus Christ, if you place your faith and trust in Jesus, you have a calling on your life. Now, I grew up, uh, I've I've mentioned this before, uh, my dad ran a drugstore. It was like a family thing, all right? Uh, My mom was the pharmacy tech uh, I, at five years old, started like, you know, making sure the shelves were, I'd usually get stuck in the toy aisle, but you know I, we would, I would make sure everything was face, it's where all the shelves look nice. I don't think stores do that anymore. You know? Everything just looks like a tornado when you go into stores. I digress. But anyway, but it was a family business. And it's something that I didn't choose. It's something I was called into. Uh, we had a family call. Now, unlike a family business, you cannot have a relationship with Jesus because you were born into that family. Uh, if, if you're a, a young person here today and your parents are, 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 have, have a uh, walk with Jesus Christ, they've placed their faith and trust in Jesus, that doesn't mean that you automatically have that. You have to personally place your faith and trust in Jesus. Any adults in this room, if your grandma uh, loves Jesus and you've never personally placed their faith and trust in Jesus, your grandma's faith uh, doesn't get you into heaven. You have to have a personal faith in Jesus Christ. And so uh, it's really important that you understand that uh, you can't transfer somebody else's faith upon you. You have to have personal faith on Christ. And so uh, what we see here is that God is, has a calling over your life, but you have to respond to that calling. Unlike myself in the family business, I had no choice. Uh, you have to respond to the calling that God uh, is calling out to you today. Now, we often reduce that word calling into what we do. Like, what's your calling for life? And someone's like, "Well, my calling is to be a businessman. Or, you know, when I was in Bible college, we'd get really particular. My calling is to be a discipleship pastor. My calling is to, you know, be a youth pastor. My calling is like, man, like, really, we're really getting specific here. And so calling has been reduced to something that we often do. But I want you to know the biblical idea of calling is less to do about what you do and more about who you are. The Greek word uh, for calling means an invitation, a divine personal call by God. Your heavenly father uh, called you and loved you before you even knew anything about him. God is pursuing you this morning. This is what I love about when when you study the totality of scripture, you see that God has been pursuing you before you knew anything about God. Theologically, this is called the effective call. Uh, This is an act of uh, God the Father speaking through human proclamation of the gospel in which he summons people to himself in such a way that they respond in saving faith. God is summoning you this morning. God loved you before you loved him, and he irresistibly woos you to himself. And this can only be done by the faithful sharing of the gospel. When you hear the gospel, then you must respond. Your responsibility is to respond to that gospel. And today I'm going to give the gospel... At the end of the message today, I'm going to give you an opportunity. If you don't know if you have a personal relationship with Jesus, I'm going to give you that opportunity today to say yes to Jesus. And I want you to know when, you begin to, when things begin to click and make sense, when even sometimes people reference like, man, something's changing in my heart, I want you to know that it's the Spirit of God wooing you to him today. And so we have the responsibility to answer that call. And notice the call isn't just personal. We have the personal responsibility to enter in a relationship with Jesus. But know this, it doesn't stay individual. It's shared. Look at verse 1. That word shared. Everybody say shared. Shared. And I love this word because this shows that the calling isn't just this individualistic thing that sometimes we reduce our relationship with Jesus to. When we respond personally to the gospel, we carry the mission of the gospel together. 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 Too often we reduce the mission of Jesus to some consumeristic individual mentality, but the gospel is something that we share and we build up each other with. It's very communal. We share in our growth together. And that's why we believe so much in community here at Kenosha City Church. We believe that ministry occurs in the context of community, of relationships. That's why we have a thing called city groups. City groups is a, is a community, a small group community that we have here at Kenosha City Church that meet in homes throughout the week that enables you to have deeper relationships with people in the church. We're not saying that you're gonna find your best friend. Some of you will, some of you won't. Some of you are like, I don't need any more friends, right? But you need to, commu- you need to connect with people in this gospel community. Uh, some of you, you're gonna go deep. Some of you are like, well, I wish I could go deeper. It's not gonna be all things to all people. Other than that, It connects you, and you can't skip connection. Uh, Too often, people are are, are studying the Bible, or they're even in uh, maybe in classes where there's no connection, and with that, it still stays individual. You need to sharpen each other, iron sharpening iron. And so we have city groups uh, throughout the week, and and listen, make no mistake, the church uh, does not exist, though, for community. I want you to know that first, but rather Jesus and his gospel, and then community flows out of that. Uh, So often people will come to church just for community. And I want you to know that if churches are coming together just for community, which we need to have, but if you're coming just for community and that becomes the main thing of the church, you're going to disconnect from the gospel and the community is going to go sideways or the community could uh, be very unbiblical. In fact, when we get it backwards, when community goes before the gospel instead of community coming from the gospel, it descends into cliques, personalities, a group of locally famous last names, people that dress cool, or people that think they're better, or people that have all sorts of hyper-spiritual nonsense. We're not about that here at Kenosha City Church. We're about you being real. We're about you connecting with other people, without you sharing who you really are so that we can grow together uh, in Jesus Christ and we can root each other on. Some of you, you know your Bibles backwards and frontwards. Some of you, you don't even know what an Old Testament and New Testament is, and that's okay, because in community, we can grow together, Amen? amen? Saved or sent, the reach, reach, the found, find, This is important, by the way, because if we're on mission, you know, many churches in the 2020, they they lost their way uh, from the Bible and they joined together with many unbiblical, cultural, uh, interfaith, social gospel uh, movements and have strayed from the word of God and the hope of the gospel. But this isn't new. The writer of Hebrews, he reminds us of the calling that we share together and the calling that's found in Jesus Christ. Listen to this. Consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. The gospel must be our focus. The Bible must be our guide. It is our inspiration. It is, it is the holy word of God to disobey God. The Bible is to disobey God. The Bible may not be God. We don't like worship the pages of our scripture, right? Uh, that, that, it's, just, it's, it's a book that contains the very words of God that if we were to disobey these words, right, we are to disobey God because it is the word of God, amen? We take God at his word, we believe it's without error. We believe it's all authority. But we must, in order to obey God's word, we must be empowered by the Holy Spirit to be obedient. And through the Holy Spirit, he gifts us. As we share together this calling, we can build up the church through the power of the Holy Spirit through his gifts. But as I said, and as been alluding to, many Christians are finding themselves at a gospel crossroads in 2023. At any given moment in this culture, we are in danger of straying from the full gospel of grace. When I say we, I mean you. I mean me. If we're going to be just go through the cultural flow of things, we will stray from the full gospel of Jesus Christ. May we never. And that's precisely what the writer of Hebrews is, is contending for this morning. A good way to see if you've strayed from the gospel Let's, say, let's ask a few questions. Have you been bored with the gospel? Like Jesus died on the cross for your sins. He rose from the dead. Is it like, yeah, yeah, okay, next. I wanna do something next. If, if that isn't paramount to what we believe, I want you to know you've gotten bored with it. And we can all get bored with it, right? If we're familiar with something, you get bored with something. But listen, we must be familiar with the gospel. We must keep it front and center, if you become bored, uh, you, you may be straying. Uh, you may be straying this morning. You believe that the gospel is not enough or the gospel isn't relevant to life's needs. I saw this a lot in, during the pandemic. People are throwing the gospel in the backseat like, hey, we need something else, right? Uh, we need something else to, to solve all these issues. And I'm, and I'm telling even some of my peers, stop. It's the gospel. Get back. It's the gospel. You may stray from the gospel, if you make any other good thing the main thing. A person that's strayed from the gospel will focus on minor things, make a major things, but we must major on the gospel, the advancement of the gospel that changes lives. And we have a calling, and that calling is to be sent. Saved ones are sent ones. If you're going to remain on mission, you must remember your heavenly calling. You have a calling to respond to the last and lasting testament of Jesus Christ and that is to make disciples. Remember your heavenly calling. Number two, if you're going to remain on mission, is you need to be obedient to his word. You need to be obedient to his word. Remain in obedience to his word. You will not continue in the heavenly calling if you're not living by his word. So my question to you this morning is, are you intentionally living by his word, or are you more whimsical? Is it just a whim? Like, you accidentally are obedient. I've heard it said this way before. If you do the things of God on accident, then you're not really being obedient. You're just living the life how you want to live it. Obedience means this. You get out of that comfort zone and you become fully devoted to the things even when you don't want to. So are you living intentionally by his word or by a whim? I mean, come on, let's think of it this way. Monday morning, it's coming up tomorrow, right? Your alarm goes off, okay? Okay. And for many of you, you don't have the alarm that's, uh, you know, the really annoying ones, the big box ones, usually it's your phone. And if you're like me, you don't just have one alarm. You have about 15, right? How did that happen? Because I wasn't being intentional when I get up. I, I got up when I felt like it, Right? Mm, five more minutes, right? Hit the snooze, right? Mm, five more minutes. I remember one morning, didn't have to, it was a day off. I was like, I'm just gonna see where this goes, right? You know, that's a bad idea when you tell your flesh, you're gonna see where this goes, all right? You're gonna lead, he's gonna lead yourself in all sorts of bad places, right? Well, what happened that morning was, I'm gonna see where this goes, I'm gonna see where this goes. I was literally hitting the alarm for over two hours, right? Now, apply this to our life with Christ. How many times when God is knocking on your door of your heart, you're hitting the snooze, right? Eh, Five more minutes, God. One more day. One more time. Hebrews 3, 7 says this. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness. God is calling his people to be a people of his word when... Today, right? Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Everybody say, today, today. Don't harden your hearts, is what Hebrews is saying. Don't hit the snooze. When God is knocking on the door of your heart, when you see and read something in God's word, when you realize that God is meeting with you, don't say, no, 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 tomorrow. Now, today. Why? Because what happens, when you say no to God right now, it hardens your heart right now. Today, God is speaking to us. He's given us his perfect word to guide us in all things. But when we don't heed his word, we get a spiritual, we, we, we come into this spiritual condition called a hard heart. A hard heart. Do we have a hard heart this morning? A hard heart in medical terms. I'm not a doctor, so I'm gonna really slaughter this, okay? But a hard heart in medical terms is called, here we go, hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. I think I did pretty good there. And this is where literally the heart, uh, this is where the muscles begin to get hard. They thicken to where it's hard for even the blood to pump through the heart. We don't want that physically, but we don't want that spiritually. When we say no to God, what ends up happening is our hearts began to harden, right? And we may look like on the outside that we have everything figured out. We might look like on the outside that that we are passionate for God, but inside we have a major cardiac problem. When we harden our hearts to the things of God, it's a serious situation. In fact, he gives us an example of some people that had hard hearts. He says in the days of rebellion, he's referencing the Hebrew people when they were rescued from the nation of Egypt. The Hebrew people, uh, the Israelites, they were enslaved by Egypt. Uh, They built Egypt's great cities. Some even believe the pyramids came from the Israelites. There's debate on that, but it wouldn't be surprising to me. They were beaten. They were often killed. But yet God had a promise for them, and he miraculously rescued them by literally sending them through, uh, parting the waters and walking them towards the promised land. God would lead Israel uh, by a cloud uh, during the day and by a pillar of fire at night. He would provide them everything that they needed to get to the promised land. He provided them food. And yet somewhere along the line, somebody in the back seat started asking, are we there yet? How much longer? I'm bored. Hey, another day of manna? I'm sick of manna. Is this really the promised land? I hate sand, it gets everywhere. I don't like this. And people began to grumble in the wilderness. Oh yes, parents, when you have kids, you know what it's like when there's grumbling in the wilderness when you're driving through Illinois, all right, so. And dads, you can resonate, right? You can resonate when when people started getting grumbly what you want to do stop it i imagine israel was getting all these fights people began to blame god people began to blame the leadership and they began to blame everybody else but themselves and finally somebody had the grandiose idea hey i have a better idea what's that we ain't all gonna find no promised land you think you believe that little pillar of fire at night guess what We're gonna die out here in the desert. It's better that we're enslaved back in Egypt. Who's with me? Let's go back to Egypt. Oh, that sounds like a good idea. They're going back to Egypt. Like, you read this inscription, like, are you serious? Like, you want to build another pyramid? And yet we laugh at that in scripture, and yet what the the writer of Hebrews is telling us is when we say no to the things of God, our hearts are hardening, and we're being rebellious just like the people in the desert, and we're being as silly as the person that wants to build another pyramid. Sin enslaves you. It enslaves you. Oh, yes, it's enticing in the moment, but it enslaves you. It's not that these people and the Israelites needed to be convinced of the existence of God. It's not that they needed another argument of why they shouldn't go back to Egypt. They knew he existed. They knew the promises. But it's that they loved their sin more than they loved God in that moment. They tested God over and over and over again. It's like what one theologian puts it, a tested God is not an accepted God. And what I want to say to us this morning as as we go forward and be a church on mission, we got to quit testing God with things he's very clear with in scripture. We got to receive the Lord in full and trust him as he goes before us. The writer of Hebrews warns the rebellion, warns of the rebellion of the Hebrews by turning his attention on us. We see this in Hebrews chapter 3 verse 12. Watch out Brothers and sisters, so that it won't be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage each other daily, while it's still called today, that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. Are you living by the word or om? In 2023, we have to be intentional with God's word. We have to be intentional with that very sin that easily entangles us. And make no mistake, I I don't want you to be like, oh man, I just feel so condemned right now because I'm, I'm so entangled with this sin or this has a hold on me. Name it. Have someone encourage you daily as long as it's called today. Let this be the year that you realize that you receive what God has for you and that you no longer love sin, but you love the God who can rescue you from it. How does a hard, uh, How does a heart become hard? By believing or disbelieving anything contrary to God's word. You know, today in culture, many people are peddling theological ideas, books, and podcasts in the name of God. That if you are reading Scripture, you're like, I don't find it in there. And yet it sounds, the teaching or the theology or the, or the podcast, it sounds really good. It makes sense in my own earthly mind, but yet it's not in scripture. And when you take these things in that sound good, uh, that are palatable to society, know this, you may feel good in the moment, you may feel the acceptance of culture and that somehow you're making your faith palatable and acceptable to, to, to culture, but it's hardening your heart to the things of God. We live in a theological culture where people like to say a lot of stuff that Jesus never said. So this can go on how we see people treat marriage, gender, drug use, the words that come out of our mouth, the way that we gossip, the way that we handle anger. But we emphasize too often the Bible is, is, is getting read and interpreted through the lens of culture instead of the lens of what does God say for you? What, what, what is God's word saying? Not what you want it to say. Not what you're like, well, I think God's word's saying this. No, 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 it's not what you think what God's word is saying. What is God's word saying? Make no mistake, Christians, we are often guilty of reading God's word and placing our own meaning in it, aren't we? I'm guilty of that. We're all guilty of that. But we need to, even before we, we, we open up the word of God, like God, may your word pierce our hearts. May, may your word direct us and take away any predisposition that I, that I have. That I may hear your spirit. Because often we will use the word of God to do whatever we want to do. And we have to be careful, too, because we believe, we believe in the word of God. We believe that God is living and active today. We believe that God is active in your life. We, we believe that God speaks to you, right? We, we believe, like, when you believe that, that God is moving you and, 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 and leading you. But we have to be careful in even that. When someone says God told them something, God told me. Have you heard that before? You know, like, God told me this. Listen, God may have. Okay, we believe in the, the voice of God, Right? But the thing is, have you ever approached somebody who's like, God told me. I'm like, oh, man. And they say something completely bonkers. But like, you can't even like really challenge it because they said God told them. Well, I don't know if God would say, nope, God told me, right? Uh, for instance, in college, uh, I had a buddy who, who uh, ended up getting married. And his wife, uh, before he got married to, to my buddy, uh, she, he, she had three guys uh, in three years come up to her saying God told them they were going to get married. <laughs> None of them happened, right? Or it's kind of like when you're in a relationship and and oh boy, someone comes up and goes, you know, God just told me we need need to break up, right? Like, I just wanna say that person, just own it. Just say you don't wanna date them anymore, right? The reality is this. We can use God's name to say things he never said. God can give you wisdom. God can indeed lead you. God can even speak to you. But it never is contrary to scripture. But let me tell you this. We have to be careful with that. We have to be humble with that. We believe God can speak today and He'll never contradict His word, but we must never put words in God's mouth. And it takes humility uh, when we are walking through life and discerning uh, what God is saying. When we think think we're a person that has a rubber stamp from God, uh, we we end up doing whatever we want in the name of the Lord. Uh, There is a lot of wrecking ball Christians that think they have a red line to the Lord. You may have met these like, oh, just I have a, God told me, God told me, God. Listen, God could have told you that. But the thing is, is what I want you to know is that not one person has a red line to the Lord that you don't have. Everybody has access to the throne. I want you to know that. And what's important with that is this, is when we have access to the throne, we need to boldly but yet humbly go before him and say, God, what do you have for my life? Every day we need to wake up and say, God, what? Your servant is listening. Because the world should see a difference. They shouldn't see a difference just in what you know. They shouldn't just see a difference in, 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 in how we function when we worship and praise. Yeah, they're gonna see a difference. They're gonna be like, what, what is going on here? We're worshiping Jesus. No. But they should see something deep within your heart that's different. They should see the joy that surpasses understanding. You see a difference. But often people's hearts are hardened because they are disbelieving God or uh, of what he's clearly said or they believe things that God never said. And people's hearts are hardened because they allow sin to remain. Sometimes we think, all right, I know, I, I'm already aware of some of the sins that are in my life right now and uh, it's, it's no big deal, right? We, have you thought that before? It's no big deal. Like you may have never said it, but you thought it, Right? Am I being real? Let's just shake our heads yes. I'm gonna shake my head yes too, all right? We all in that camp, right? We've had a moment where it's like, eh, it's not, uh, I would never say it, but is it really that big of a deal, right? I mean, a little lie, a second look, ah, getting drunk on New Year's Eve. What's the big deal? Everybody's doing it. I, I've seen other Christians do it and they're praising Jesus two weeks later. What's the big deal? God is love. He loves me no matter what I do, so I'm gonna do what I do and love what I do. However I want to do it. You do you. But let me tell you this. Anything contrary to God's will may not be a big deal to culture or to even you, but it's a big deal to God. Sin is treason against God's holiness. Let me put it this way. Husbands, take note. Allison created a drop zone for my keys, wallet, and cell phone. I've told you about this Key cell, cell phone wallet thing. I have air tags on them and everything, but she created this drop zone for me in the kitchen. Now, I'm gonna be completely honest, okay, in the sense that for a long, long time in my marriage, I didn't really understand the big deal of where my key, cell phone, and wallet went to. It just didn't, to me, it's like I'll just drop it wherever. It doesn't matter, right? Drop it on the kitchen table. I drop it you know on the center island. I drop it on the couch. I drop it. I forget where I drop it, right? And it wasn't a big deal to me, but it was a big deal to my wife. So much so she would tell me over and over and over again. Finally, she bought the little nice uh, little uh, little thing. I put my uh, my key cell phone wallet in, and when she bought it, I still wouldn't use it. And I realized, you know, some of you are laughing, like, what are you doing, Andy, right? <laughs> Husbands, take note, all right? So, it then made me realize this. Finally, I had a duh moment, and I'm still, I'm, I'm still recouping, all right? <laughs> yeah, but... Uh, a dumb moment like, wait, it isn't about like, how important is this? It's that this is what she desires in the household. This is what she desires, like this this ministers to my wife. I'm gonna do this not because what I think of it, or if it doesn't make sense to me, I know this shows my wife love. And so guess what? I still have a habit to break sometimes, but I'm getting better, right? She's like, oh look, your keys are on the hook. I'm like, yes! (laughs) Now, what's this have to do with sin and maybe even grave sin? Well, let me tell you this. That might seem trivial, but I want you to say that, I want you to know the the principle is the same. There may be sin in your life that you think is no big deal, but I want you to know this right now. Sin is a big deal to God. And when we choose whether we understand why it's a sin or it's not a sin, when we choose to be obedient to God, we're saying, God, I love you more than the sin I want to hold in my life. And sin remains. We're saying to God, I love you, but not that much. When you love God, you'll hate sin. But when we love our sin, our hearts will harden and we'll begin to love our sin more and more and more and sin will harden those, those arteries. And the writer of Hebrews is pleading in Hebrews 3.14. He says, for we become participants in Christ if we hold firmly until the end, the reality that we had at the start. As it says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Let your sin be go. Sin is a cheap knockoff to the glory that you can experience in Christ. Saved ones are sent ones, but if you're going to remain on mission, number one, remember your heavenly calling. Number two, remain in obedience to his word. Number three, run to the grace of God. This is where I want us to, some of you are like, man, this has been heavy. I'm thinking of some of the sins of my life and uh, I need to get rid of in 2023, but what do I do? I love it. This is what you do. You run to the grace of God. Hebrews 4, 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who passed through the heavens, Jesus, Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may have, may receive mercy and find grace to help us in the time of need draw near to God in confidence. If you have a faith and trust in Jesus, draw near. If you want to hold fast to the confession towards Christ, we must remember the grace of Jesus. Grace is God's undeserved favor he has for you. We don't deserve any of the goodness of God but because God is so good and merciful. He wants to give us goodness, his goodness anyway and his forgiveness anyway. And notice what the author of Hebrews states. When we approach the throne of Jesus, we can receive mercy in the time of need. I remember going to a Swedish palace once and I stood before an old royal throne, right? An old royal throne. And this, this royal had been dead for many, many years, but they still wanted you to shh, be quiet and they know no pictures because it's a throne. When you think of going before a throne, you might be thinking of the principal's office or going before your boss's office or a CEO. Like, I don't want to go there. And yet we're told, okay, your life full of sin? Go to the throne. I'm like, oh, really? Do I have to? No, 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 the throne of grace. That confidently, knowing that we don't serve a God with a lightning bolt that's ready to strike you dead. He is a God on the throne with his arms wide open, saying, Come to me who are weary, and I'll give you rest. And because we know how we have grace, To set both of our feet on a firm foundation, we can go in 2023 knowing that, yes, indeed, whatever's happened in the years past, that is not what 2023 has to be all about because we serve a God who is the God of second chances, third chances, 500 chances, 1,000 chances, chances upon chances upon chances, boldly approach the throne of grace. And don't go to the throne of grace saying, well, I'm just gonna sin because I know I can go to grace. God You can't game God, okay? But what I want you to know is when your heart is broken, when you want to love God more than your sin, he is there to embrace you over and over and over again. So therefore, let's land right here. I wanted to give you the principles through the book of Hebrews of how to get through a culture that is going to be pushing against you if you say, yes, I'm going to be on mission. The, the headwinds will overtake you. It'll knock you over like a meteorologist in a hurricane, right? You must remember your calling, your heavenly calling. You must be obedient to the word of God. You must approach the throne of grace every single day. And with that in mind, then, guess what? We can firmly and boldly proclaim in 2023 let's go. I've heard our youth pastor Brandon say, let's go. I'm like, I think that's going to be our theme for 2023. I began to pray on it. I was like, this is it. Let's go. If, If Listen, if we have firm foundation, if we can boldly approach the throne of Christ, let's go. And we know this because in Matthew 28, 18, Jesus said, Let's go. Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you and remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus is saying, as he departs and until he comes back, go. And in the Greek, that's as you're going, which means wherever you go. When we leave this room this morning, on your Sunday afternoon, your Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, on your way to church on Sunday, as we are going, you are sent to bring the life giving message of Jesus Christ to others. Amen? And so this year, we'll be bringing this up a lot through the year. Who's your one? Who's your one? In fact, we have something here called the pray, care, share wheel. You're going to see this a lot this year. But who is your one? Now, God may bring, in you, bring in you two, three, four, ten. But sometimes when you look at a whole city that needs Jesus, you're like, how am I even supposed to reach that? Okay, who's your one? God, pray. I pray for that one person to enter my mind right now that I can begin to pray for. God, who is it that I can begin to care for, show random acts of kindness to, to care for them in their life? Uh, Who's that one person I can share the gospel of Jesus Christ or to invite them to church? Who's your one? Begin to pray for that. That's gonna be our 2023. Let's go. Who's your one? Who's your one? And I want you to know that as we, uh, our mission is to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ with our vision of that everybody at Kenosha City Church personally connects people to the power of Jesus Christ. Why? Because when people are connected to the gospel, people's lives are made new. When this is what God has laid before us, we want to make sure everything that we do is going to fuel that. But I wanted to spend the most on this morning was our heart so that we can go. So let's go. Let's pray. Father, we love you. and We thank you so much that you are doing a thing here in Kenosha, that we're seeing people's lives change each and every week. But God, through the generosity and through the boots on the ground and through the prayers of this church, doors are opening specifically around the world because of Kenosha City Church and your movement through it, God. Lord God, thank you for that. Lord Jesus, we lift up and dedicate 2023 to you that indeed we would go out with the gospel. But God, help us remember our heavenly calling. It's bigger than what we do, it's who we are. God, help us to be people of the word. God, I pray that we become fully devoted, that we would do this in community, that we'd share this together. And God, help us, know that we're in daily need of grace. So where there is condemnation, there's no longer condemnation in Christ Jesus. As we continue to pray, I just want to just say to anybody in this room right now, if you're uncertain you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, the Bible says today is the day of your salvation. If you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus, just right now, get right with Him. Your grandma can't do it for you. I can't do it for you. Nobody can do it for you. you got to receive what Jesus has already done for you. He's calling you this morning. Receive it. And this is how you receive it. Just pray to him and say, Lord Jesus, I realize I've sinned. I've done wrong. I need your forgiveness. It's believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Just tell him that, Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. It's believing that he came to this earth to die on the cross in your place to pay for your sin. Thank him for dying on the cross. It's not that he just died on the cross. It's that... He's a perfect sacrifice, so he rose from the dead. Thank him that he rose from the dead. Place your full faith and trust in him right now. Just tell him that. Lord Jesus, I'm placing my full faith and trust in you. Save me. With every heads bowed and eyes closed, if that's you right now, if you're saying yes to Jesus, uh, you even felt that thing in your heart that I told you earlier about. That's the spirit of God uh, beckoning you. That's the spirit of God calling you. If today you're saying, today's the day I'm placing my faith and trust in Jesus. I'm making it personal today. With every head bowed and eyes closed, just slip up that hand right now. I just wanna see where you're at because I wanna pray for you. Thank you, I see you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Awesome, thank you, I see you. Awesome. Just raise that hand up high. Again, The hand raising your hand doesn't save you. You're just indicating what God's already done in your heart. Anybody else? Awesome. I see you. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Lord Jesus, thank you for those that are placing their faith and trust in you now. And Lord Jesus, I pray for everybody in this room right now that they would dedicate 2023 as a year that they impact people's lives through the gospel. Help them figure out who their one is. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.